Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. I'm Nate Aiken, one of the founders of Baptist 21, and have with me the leadership team of Baptist 21, uh, Jed Coppinger, Ronnie Parrott, and newly uh, brought on to the leadership team, Josh Powell. And uh, we are talking today about the upcoming Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans. We do this every year, do a preview podcast. Uh, and so we're going to talk through some of the key things coming up uh, at this year's convention. Before we jump in some introductory notes, uh, we will put out a guide like we've done the previous years. that will give you a rundown of the schedule, uh, kind of when the key business things are at least planned to, to take place. Uh, we've also had a podcast with Amy Whitfield about when uh, some of those key votes will come up. We'll try to sort of walk uh, chronologically through those uh, in this preview podcast. But as always, we don't know fully what will come to the floor uh, what business will come up. And so keep up to date with everything on uh, our Twitter account. We'll try to be as up to date as we can on all the clear stuff uh, in in uh, business and debate as it comes to this year's SBC. Brothers, thanks for joining on the podcast. Yeah, happy to be Glad here. To be here. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, I'm going to jump in. I'll sort of lead the conversation and then, uh, you know, give thoughts along the way as we go. But let's just start here. And, and Jed, I'll start with you. Uh, just Maybe the most basic question, what are you looking forward to at this year's convention? Man, I'm always looking forward to most just seeing people in person. Um, you know, the, we have a lot of important business to do uh, in, um, in when we're in session, but the hallways are uh, probably my favorite part because you see people you haven't seen before who are doing great work all around uh, America and the world. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing old friends, making new friends, talking with people that uh, maybe you don't get to talk to as much, that maybe you don't see eye to eye on some things. Typically, those are better conversations in person than they are online. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. Looking forward to some of the um, um, events that are surrounding um, the SBC. There's always fun kind of auxiliary events. But I think probably the most important thing is uh, that IMB, NAM, you know, the commissioning Tuesday morning, um, just a great reminder of why we are uh, partnering like we do. Ronnie, what about you? you know, Jed, yeah, I was going to interact there with Jed briefly. I mean, I, I, I saw the report recently that, that we'll be commissioning 92 missionaries uh, on that Tuesday morning IV commissioning service. And that is just so rare awesome. among any, any sort of church network um, for us to be able to do, do that, to send out 92 fully funded missionaries is just a huge thing. It kind of makes all the other issues sort of dissipate in the background a little bit when you think about that and uh, the the uh, opportunity we have there. Hey, Josh, for, first time uh, on the podcast in uh, in this leadership role, pastor of First Baptist Taylors in South Carolina. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Good to, good to be with you. Um, I think ultimately just reiterating what they, they just said, I think behind everything we do in Southern Baptist life is that fabric of relationship. I mean, ultimately, that's what keeps many of us here. That's why we love doing it. That's why we want to be a part. A, this is where our friends, this is where our loved ones, we guys we've known for years serving together. And uh, so I'm just excited for that. And just reiterate, I mean, it sounds cliche, but 
Definitely. I mean, one sacred effort. This is why we get mm-hmm. together is yeah. to send out the propagation of the gospel. So, I mean, to me, that is what this is all about, ultimately. And that's what, I mean, our conversation today is going to be filled with different issues we have to face, different things we have to deal with. All of those things could be any reason why we would leave, say, I'm tired, I'm done. But none of those things outweigh the one sacred effort of getting the gospel out there. So that's why we that's right. do what we do. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Nate, what about you? Uh, basically, same things y'all said. I mean, we get a chance to meet friends uh, and make new friends. And you get to hear pastors who are just faithfully serving the Lord, missionaries faithfully serving the Lord that we may not even know. And so all those things are super encouraging. There's panels, obviously, like our Baptist 21 panel that are always encouraging. Um, and so just really the relationships, but also, as, as you guys have said, I mean, the, the mission part of what we do is why we exist. Uh, and so just getting a chance to see all that, sometimes those things get clouded out by some of the things we're going to talk about today. Um, but it, it's just really, it's amazing to see how far Southern Baptist dollars go as pertains to things like raising up ministers, sending missionaries, planting churches, and it's 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 worth being a part of, which I think then kind of leads into the conversation you know we're trying to have, which is um, this business stuff does sometimes get really hot, really debated. It can cloud out you know what we're trying to do as far as the propagation of the gospel, which is the initial purpose of the SBC. But business is important because we get a chance to talk about how hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be spent as pertains to missions. And so this is not, un- these are not unimportant things. I do think we need to, to, to obviously always be clear on what the primary goal of why we exist is, even as we try to put some of these things uh, in proper perspective. And so I kind of want to walk just through the, just what, as these things will come up, like what are going to be the key areas of debate, business and so forth. And so I'll just kind of walk, walk through that first. And the first thing would be, uh, introduction of motions will be Tuesday morning. So we have no idea what those are going to be. Um, but we do know, at least we've, we've written about this um, at least twice now in the last couple of weeks, that we think that there will be a motion um, to at least put together a task force, a committee. I know we're task forced out, but a task force to think about um, Article 3.1 and the idea that uh, churches have to closely identify with our uh, treasured adopted uh, statement of faith, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. There's a lot going into that. Uh, we've obviously written a c- couple pieces, but w- maybe one, we're going to at least put out once we know exactly what that motion will look like uh, and who's going to make that motion. And we've been seeing different guys who are putting things like that together that may not even be connected to Baptist 21, but when we see uh, a clear one, we will post that so people can see that. Uh, but why, uh, and maybe, uh, Jed, I'll start with you, why the, um, at least the, the thought that we would kind of put something out like that and make that proposal from Baptist Wing 1? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in the midst of our conversations with uh, Southern Baptists of all streams, uh, there's not just two streams, there's all kinds of different streams within Southern Baptist life and uh, in the midst of, you know, a group of churches, the amount that we have as Southern Baptists. Um, and what we really, I think, been encouraged by is the fact that uh, everybody is for the Baptist faith and message 2000. Everybody's complementarian. Everybody's uh, an inerrantist. Um, and um, so that's really encouraging. And we want to see the Baptist faith and message, and we'll talk about this probably here just a little bit, be uh, 
respected, um, to be protected, enforced. Um, we we don't think um, it's meaningless. We think it's a meaningful thing. We think most Southern Baptists think that. We do think there is a lack of clarity when it comes to how the article you mentioned uh, is applied. Um, so the nature of our cooperation, how closely does someone need to be to be in friendly cooperation? And when you talk to 10 Southern Baptists about that, you find out there's a lack of clarity. That's the one thing that's clear because a lot of them have different opinions and those opinions are thoughtful and they are different from one another. And they seem to be really clear to the person sharing them, but not always to the other person that they're sharing them with. And so the idea is, do, do, is more clarity need to, need to be brought to, to that issue? Uh, does it need to be removed? And we need to go back before uh, we, we had that in place and the Baptist faith message is enough with, with everything that went with it. Um, but those, those, are, those, those are like, that's the major thing that, that comes. It's just, it's not messing with the Baptist faith, the message. It's focusing on uh, the nature of our cooperation and how closely um, do, do churches need to be? What does that look like? Um, I think there needs to be some more clarity there. Josh, yeah, Ryan, I think anything Jed, to add? Yeah. yeah, I think Jed, Jed just to, for clarity there, we said the word clarity a lot. Uh, what I heard you say is, is the BFNM is clear. What's not clear is what it means to closely identify. And I think that's the, we're trying to figure that out a little bit, even in our own conversations behind the scenes. Like, how do we help bring clarity where things are clear, but not so clear? And yeah. I think Josh is, as uh, I think in our conversations with Josh, Josh, you brought some important things to light too. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think like the BFNM 2000 is sufficient. I don't, I think that it's enough. It's, it's a good document, it's sufficient, and that uh, we need to, in some way support that say that's what our statement is that's what we're doing and we don't need to change it we don't need to do anything to it we don't need to bring anything more to it it's working it's functioning in fact um you know as we move up on a hundred years since the bfnm was was first done 1925 1963 2000 uh it's a once in a generation kind of thing that you do and and so that's what we have right now um and i think it's done its job. Even if you consider Saddleback or Fern Creek, uh, the BFNM has done its job. We don't have any, I mean, we haven't added anything to it to address those, but they have been voted out. They'll make their appeal. I think we'll, we'll stand to it. So it's done its job. I think where the lack of clarity comes in is 2015 article three in the constitution, uh, uh one, you know, what's a, was a church that is deemed in friendly cooperation with the convention and sympathetic to its purposes and works. It says there has a, that it has a faith and practice that closely identifies with the convention's adopted statement. That language is not clear. And so I think ultimately what we need to do is try to clarify what that means moving forward. And that's pretty new. Again, it's pretty, it's, it's 2015. So how do we clarify that and and like you said, Nate, I think we're task force out, but I don't know any other way to do it. I mean, obviously, we can't as twelve thousand messengers get together in two days and have this big discussion on what this means and what we do. The right way we do this is we choose some leaders among us, right, and we pick them out, let them investigate, let them look into three one. How do we need to handle it? What do we need to do with this? Uh, let them bring a decision before us and let us vote on whether or not we agree with that. I think that's the proper proper way 
to do this because you have things like the amendment that's being asked now, um, uh, the that uh, is being brought up about um, women in ministry pastoral roles. You have that amendment that's being brought up. I just don't see it into those amendments. If we don't deal with Article 3.1, I think we can continue to move down this road where we're constantly dealing with this. But in dealing with 3.1, we can clarify what this closely identifies means. And I think when it comes to the issue of clarity on that, um, you know, we all recognize that it was intended to be somewhat vague. It was intended to to be somewhat um, uh, unclear. And so it, the clarity isn't um, the clarity is something that it's more of like, are we really sure we like like how things are? And it may be this is just a tension we're going to have to live with with that. Or do we want to go back before or do we want to? to make an adjustment that would help us move forward better with just a little bit more clarity, but still some ambiguity. You know, I think those are things. And one of the things that we'll hear in conversations behind the scenes about this is just let the people, just let the people uh, decide, you know, let them do it. And which sounds really great. And that is really great in a lot of ways. But one of the big dangers here is unintended consequences that in the moment we have it, there's not enough time to, to um, think and, and talk, to give it space, to hear different perspectives, to research it. Can't do that from the floor. So that's why a task force could potentially be a helpful thing. We'll see what the people want to do when it comes to that. Of course, it makes it harder in times when trust is low to have task force doing these kinds of things because you can always say something about, ah, uh, these, you know, it's fixed in some kind of way. Um, so, um, we need to be prayerful about all that. Yeah. I'll just give a couple of, uh, thoughts, uh, about that. And then we can move to, to, to some of the future stuff on the schedule. So I think one thing that needs to be, that's important to recognize is we're not debating on whether the FBC should be complementarian. Uh, we all think that, no, we're all complementarian very clearly. Um, we've written about this multiple times. Um, we also have made our statement of case against Rick Warren. We'll talk about that more in a minute. This is not a matter of whether we're complementarian. This is a matter, uh, even as Mike Stone put it in our podcast, he said, this is not a matter of difference on position. It's a matter on, of a difference on process, how we should go about, um, you know, obviously stating that we're complementarian and then guarding the borders of what it means to be in friendly cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention. Secondly, the BFNM is clear about who can hold the office of pastor. We so it's interesting. Last year, Moeller spoke to this from the floor, overwhelmingly got applauded, and that's because it's clear the who who can hold. And and we're going to show that that's clear. Uh, and we'll talk and talk about this in just a minute. We're going to show that that's clear in how we deal with Saddleback and Fern Creek Baptist and so forth. Um, and so we're going to show that we're a clearly complementarian convention. I, I feel fairly confident of that. So BFNM is clear. What's not clear is Article 3.1 because, you know, some seem to be arguing for a full-blown confessionalism, and that there are benefits to that. But we did not, the, the committee did not put in the word fully affirm the BFNM 2000. They put in closely identifies, which is where the ambiguity lies. And I get it. Some guys have much more clarity on what they think that means. But if you just ask 10 pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention, do you have clarity on what closely identifies means? The answer to that would would show you we do not have clarity on this as far as the, the kind of wide breadth of the SBC. And so all that we're asking for in a task force is nuance, explanation, 
patience, prudence. All those things are good when something is this complicated because in some sense, there doesn't seem to be a great uh, solution to the problem. And so that's what we're asking for. Get the right guys on the, the on the committee, right guys to be in the room for that. That That's mainly what we're uh, what we're asking for. The BFNM was affirmed 23 years ago. It is still sufficient for what we're trying to do. Uh, it is a very, very good statement uh, that should guard, no matter what, should guard our cooperation at the convention level. At the level of entities, it should guard our cooperation. Again, we've written about this as far back as November. Uh, again, we've been clear on this. The, the the kind of thought, should we just go back to before 2015, is a, like, that's an option. Uh, but part of the problem with that is, uh, if we go back to before that, really, in one sense, we used to kind of embarrassingly tell people, all you have to be to be Southern Baptist is give money to the cooperative program and not ordain homosexuals. So there was a reason why 2015 was put into place. And we just need to get clarity on what that's going to mean and how that's going to be enforced as as applies to the credentials, credentials committee and so forth. Another thing that we have to consider, which is part of the issue of why a task force is necessary. There is, and we've used this word multiple times, but there is lack of clarity on how the BFNM is going to be enforced because 40% of our churches, if I remember the Lifeway study, practice what's called open communion. Open communion is a violation of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Uh, and so if we remove Saddleback, here's where the here's where the real tension is if we don't deal with Article 3.1, uh, even with the people who have real legitimate concerns, like we should not create a confession with a, conf- in a confession, we understand that. But the moment you start adding examples to the BFNM 2000, you're starting to highlight certain parts. Uh, sorry, starting adding examples to the Constitution. You're starting to add things that are more stark as far as what we're going to enforce, as opposed to just the larger BFNM 2000. And that's where we have to get real clear about how we're going to uh, obviously see the BFNM, how we're going to apply Article 3.1 and so forth. Because just imagine the scenario when I'm talking about good boundaries. Imagine Fern Creek Baptist practices close communion. So imagine, I don't know what they do, but just imagine they practice close communion, but they get removed because they have a female pastor. They would have, and again, they would have a legitimate gripe to say, we didn't know. We thought we were closely aligned. Why did you remove us and not remove all the churches that are open communion? That's where the problem lies. Now, my pushback on Fern Creek would be Baptists have never disagreed about who can hold the office of pastor until the, you know, until the feminist movement and the, and the work of the CBF to separate from the SBC. There was no division. There was no debate. So it's not created equal to something like open and close communion, which has been debated as far back as Second London, 1689. And again, we've written about all this. So when we just lay those things out, that is the argument for why a task force that can help us to think through this with both patience and prudence is probably the most important thing we can do. And that's a long answer to why we think this is an important thing to do, but that's exactly why we think uh, we should be in support of a motion that would call for this kind of task force. Yeah, yeah. no, that's mm-hmm. helpful. You know, one thing I'd add to that, especially for someone that's not, you know, pastors and ministry leaders who aren't thinking about these things much, they're just rolling into the Southern Baptist Convention, and they it, this kind of thing makes them want to engage less, and at least some of the things that we're going to cover and all that, than uh, is needed. I'd just say there's always going to be um, there's always going to be in a group of people, a church, a group of churches this size. There's always going to be people that want to uh, broaden the standards. And there's always going to be people that want to shrink the standards. Um, they'll have different reasons, but those categories are always going to exist. And so there's always going to be some level of tension. 
And while it's tempting to want to walk away from the tension, um, I think it's important for us to remember that you don't get the missionary force that we have on the on on the field around the world yeah. without dealing with some of this kind of tension. Yeah. And so what the work that's happening out there is too important for us to not have these discussions. But I think it's important as we think about those tensions to distinguish between, um, let's just say, two uh, percent, um, you know, different voices, different streams, um, having disagreements, having tension and full blown. We need a conservative resurgence like Southern Baptists have had before. There's a major difference. And I think that if you look at it, every pastor and ministry leaders church, you'll find in that church, there's 2%, uh, there's at least 2% of problems there that are, they're not central, they're not running things, they're not, but it's still there. Well, you just multiply, you scale that out. And and it's just reasonable to think, yeah, we're always going to have stuff like this. What we need to think about is, is the heart of the convention wrong? And I would say, no, there's serious disagreements, and we're dealing with some very sophisticated and complex things in many ways. Um, and and other things are really straightforward, but the heart is really right. We got Bible believing, complementarian people who are disagreeing about um, you know bylaws and different things like that. So it's a tension. Don't let it turn you off. The mission's too important. And let me say on that note, Jed, partnership has always been messy. This is not new. When you're joining together with somebody, it's always hard. It always takes work. It always takes, I mean, just read the book of Acts. I mean, Paul has to come back to Jerusalem to say, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We got this, this going on and that going on. Him and Barnabas separate. What, what I'm saying is this is not like it's something new. This is not like we, I don't know why we would say we're throwing our hands up because this is what we've always had to do. We've always had to work together in partnership solve our problems so that we can reach the nations with the gospel. And it could be that the most, it could be that the most, the best solution is to leave some ambiguity and allow the credentials committee to always bring something to the floor of the SBC. That could be this again, none of those seem like great solutions to, to the problems that we're at least seem to be facing. Yeah. Well, what's great about this is just a, a reminder for all those listening here, if you're SBC and uh, and you're engaged, you got to be engaged every year at the annual meeting. All these things yeah. will be taking place on Tuesday uh, morning and Tuesday afternoon and and Wednesday next week. And, you know, if you haven't if you haven't registered to come yet, you need to sign up and be there. You need to be in the room uh, when these things <laughs> go down and uh, Don't you leave participate. Early. no, it's it's uh, it's a messy process, as Josh has said, but. The end result is great commission partnership and what the Lord's doing across the nations, and we get to be a part of it. And so we've got to put a hold the rope here. Hey, we'll jump in then from there to the presidential election, but it, it probably seems an appropriate place to address uh, the amendment that could come to the floor. We'll know by Monday, but uh, the amendment that could come to the floor from Mike Law that would it would be a addition to the examples listed in Article Three One as a if a church has a female pastor, they should be removed. Uh, we have put into writing why we don't think that's the best uh, proposal. We're obviously we agree with the sentiment of it. We uh, we we are complementarian and don't think that churches that have female pastors should be in friendly cooperation with the SBC. But we didn't think that was necessarily the route that we think would be the the best route to go. Um, any comments on that? You know, anybody want to kind of speak to that briefly? Yeah, I mean, I think 
I think that we've been in a number of discussions like this. We think this, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 already says that. Um, and I think that the actions related to Saddleback and others uh, show that it says it sufficiently because it, yeah. it led to their removal. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it's, it um, almost devalues what we think are, is clear and is working in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 by adding to it. But it's not because we have a different position, just because we think it's already been said in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And I think to Jed's point, like Dr. Mueller said last year, we know what pastor means. And I think the fact that he got so much support to this amendment and signing it and other things is because we already know this. This is not something that was controversial for us. We know what this means. The point we're trying to make with this motion for a task force to look into 3-1 is that doesn't solve our problem. The BFNM already says this. And even adding this amendment doesn't solve our problem. We have to get to, to a more clear way of understanding what closely identifies means and so it's just it's just it's a it's a bandaid to the issue ultimately. Yeah, just yeah, and it's not like we would exactly disagree to his amendment. I mean, we would say we we would agree with his statement, but as as has already been said, we we would think the BFNM already says it. Yeah, I mean, there's two things to that. Again, I am sympathetic to the purpose and the even the end uh, of that. I just again, I wish it was positively stated. Something I shared with Mike the first time I talked to him about it. And I don't want to just get into the to the, you know, to the prospect of every year adding example after example to Article Three One. Rather, rather again to make let every church know this is the scorecard we're playing by. uh, Bring clarity to that so that we don't have to continue to do this or put an undue burden, as we've said in a writing on uh, the credentials committee, that could turn the convention every year into a here's who we remove, here's their appeal, let's vote on this appeal, and that would just be a. That distracts from what we're trying to do with our business, uh, Jed. Yeah, and since he released it, you know, there's been some there's things that have come out that make us all. I would just add some concerns about um, the way this would want to be applied um, to where it's not just a you know many many Southern Baptists know that uh, every. Every church doesn't name their positions the same way. And it, when you talk to people about their views on um, uh, how they use the word pastor or how they use the word elder or how they use the word minister, they have a lot of different uh, approaches to that. There's a lot of churches in the middle of making changes who may not agree on nomenclature. Um, and so, you know, th- that's just a reality there. But then you, you hear stuff about uh wanting to push back on, you know what, we it's it's not just the title, anybody that's doing these types of activities as a pastor, um, we want to make sure they're out too. And it just seems like that that spirit of what I mentioned earlier, someone that's trying to draw uh, a, a shrink the standards of our cooperation um, out, outside of preaching, you know, I'm not sure what, what kinds of things they would have in mind there, but I certainly don't feel like most Southern Baptists would, would want to be in a place where we've got a small group of people who are just kind of going on uh, internet witch hunts, bringing people that are doing great work in their local context before the church every year. Um, I'm not sure what the, what the convention will decide that, but that's just a little concern that I had uh, as I, as I heard about some of these things. And and I think that's right, Jed. I think we have to go back to, we, we talked about it. I mean, authorial intent, you know what I'm saying? Like, so he's not just, he hasn't just, given this amendment, he's also done some videos afterwards that have kind of expressed a little more of his intent that 
I've talked to several guys who've just simply said, you know what, I signed it in the first place, but I don't agree with where this is going. And it's yeah. and ultimately it's just unenforceable. Well, so so I think that only speaks to the problem itself. It goes back again to the enforcing of this thing. One, the BFNM 2000 is enough, is sufficient. It already says this. The problem is how do we enforce it? How do we understand it? And that's that's got to get to the heart of it. Well, let's let's jump in there. We will come back to to the less we be called liberals. We will come back and address Rick Warren here in just a minute and why we think it should clearly uphold uh, the, the the move by the credentials committee to disfellowship them. But let's talk about the SBC presidential race. So, sort of unprecedented, uh, at least outside of Wiley Drake, who's you know unprecedented. Um, we are for the first time since the conservative resurgence having somebody run against an incumbent. Uh, so Bart Barber, the incumbent, is is going to be running. Mike Stone, who ran a couple of years ago, will be running against Bart. Uh, Jed, you did an interview with both of them. Just can you give a summary on kind of how things uh, are going, kind of what they're emphasizing, uh, and just anything you want to add there? Yeah, I mean, really enjoyed my conversation with uh, both of them um, and uh, talked a good bit with Mike uh, Stone after uh, our our interview and I, I think Southern Baptist should be thankful that we have two candidates um, that both believe in the inerrancy and sufficiency of Scripture. They're Bible guys, and that we have guys who believe in the Baptist faith and message position on complementarianism, um, who believe um, that. Uh, you know, sexual abuse obviously is evil, and we want to do everything we can to end it and to make it uh, not possible in any of our churches or anywhere. Um, and so just, I mean, on the major things, uh, there's a lot of, uh, of similarities. Um, I think that the thing that that um, still for me where I would still kind of, I'd still vote for Bart, uh, just because, uh, you know, I, I think that um, it's tough to get past the just running after one year of Bart being a president when that's just kind of been the normal way without there being some scandal uh, or, or something that Bart's done wrong in any kind of significant way. Uh, Mike, Mike had plenty of nice things to say about Bart. Uh, I think it's uh, I can't get over the, um, you know, that that Mike didn't give anything to the cooperative program last year. I think this would be the first time we elected somebody if he was elected that uh, didn't give anything to the cooperative program. Now, of course, he did give to the IMB, and you know, so, which is called Great Commission Giving, as uh, many of us know. Um, and, and so that's great. It's not like they weren't doing anything. And he has his reasons for doing that. Um, I just think that at that point, if, if you're doing that, you're, you're not in a position to, uh, you know, you, historically, you see people ratchet up uh, their giving as they get ready to run for SBC president. In fact, that's what Mike did the first time uh, he ran. Um, but um, so I just I just don't like play, people playing with cooperative program uh, in that kind of way. My brother has uh, been a missionary for over ten years overseas in a place I can't name, and so I just think that uh, we don't want to we don't want to be the kind of people that play with that kind of stuff. If you have concerns, that's great, and he and he certainly did, and I think everybody's entitled to those things. I just think that you want to kind of. Um, you know, in our local churches, uh, someone that, that says, hey, listen, I'm not going to give until you do this. Um, I'm not going to elevate those people uh, to a leadership position in my church. And so uh, that's just something that that 
um, for me personally, I wouldn't wouldn't vote for. But I, I think he's a great guy. You know, I, I had a great interaction. I don't know him at all, really. But uh, I had a great interaction with him, had a great interaction with Bart. Um, and I think whatever happens, praise the Lord, we've got some Jesus loving Bible guys uh, who want to get about advancing uh, the Great Commission. You brothers want to add anything there? No, I, I would just say, you know, I I voted for Bart and uh, I'm kind of in that train of, of precedent. And I, I like him being the incumbent and giving him his second year. I think there's a lot of things going on right now that really require his leadership, you know, with the abuse reform implementation task force and his leadership there. I would just really like to see some of these things fully carried through uh, that uh, that we said were important in 2021 and even last year in 2022. Uh, I just feel like we really got to get that right. And I don't think now is the time to uh, to sort of disrupt that and change gears. Yeah, I don't have much to add to to what Jed said. I, I do think um, I appreciated Mike's uh, demeanor on the on the call and the, Zoom, the the interview, and I understand some of his concerns. Uh, I don't think you know. I don't yeah. think all of his concerns are outlandish. Uh, at the same time, I think yeah. Bart has led. I think Bart has led well. I think Bart's clearly conservative, complementarian. He just does not seem to me to be the guy, the incumbent that we you know that somebody challenges. And so I just I feel like. Uh, you know, Bart has done a good job. He's represented us well, not just uh, internally, but externally. Uh, and so I think Bart is uh, a guy that has been a faithful Southern Baptist pastor. He's not in any way conservative, making us, dr- I mean, he's not in any way liberal. He's not in any way making us drift. Uh, he's clear on the issues that that matter. There may be differences of opinion on process, uh, but again, I think Bart has uh, represented us really well. And I think that's why he's he's a guy that I think deserves a second term. So, Josh, I don't know if you have anything to add there. No, not much. I think you're exactly right, though. I, I mean, I'm not saying there's never a time that I won't vote for a guy uh, that's going for a second term. I mean, that may come up, but it's just not this time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I don't see where there's any controversy. I don't see where there's any problem. And let's be honest, guys, There's, I don't know if there's like a million guys looking to jump in to be president of the SBC right now. It's not like it's the yeah. easiest job in the world. No. It pays no money. You're getting attacked from every direction. So to campaign for it as if that's something you're desiring, right? I just, I don't know. Some about it makes me feel queasy. I do appreciate some of the things uh, Mike Stone has said and 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 done. I've been in a couple calls with him, and uh, uh, and so I do think that there. And I agree with Jed. There's two guys who love the Bible and are inerrantists. So, um, that's not that's a good place in of itself. I just don't think now's a time to vote against a guy and break precedent. I think Bart's done a good job leading us. I think he's done a good job standing for where we want to stand. And I think I'm going to go ahead and make a good prediction. He's going to lead this meeting well. I think there's going to be mm. some tough things. I think there's going to be some um, parliamentarian things that's going to have to be dealt with. They're going to have to make sure everybody gets the right to speak. But I think, I think Bart's going to lead this meeting really well for us and get on the other side of it. So let's let's jump from there. And just just quickly, we didn't uh, say it specifically, but Mike Law's amendment. Uh, so the chance to to vote on that, we, you know, we think for sure that's going to come out of the executive committee uh, and that could come out Tuesday afternoon, but probably more likely will come out Wednesday afternoon. So so be in the room if you obviously morning. Uh, what's that? It'll be on Wednesday morning. Sorry. Wednesday morning uh, likely come out uh, during the EC business time. And so you'll want to be in the room uh, as that uh, conversation happens. So just know that. 
Let's move from there to the the Saddleback and Fern Creek, uh, who will be appealing. They've been removed, this fellowship in friendly cooperation, according to Article 3. Um, and so they are appealing, which is a unique uh, situation. So they, they get a chance as non-messengers to appeal, the appointed privilege that they'll get a chance to say why they sh- think they should not be uh, kind of labeled as not in friendly cooperation. That will happen Tuesday afternoon, likely around uh, 345. Uh, and so from what we understand, uh, so Rick Warren has been very clear. He's going to be representing Saddleback. He will give his reasons why they should not be removed. He's been writing about some of that publicly. And then the executive committee will be able to choose somebody to respond to um, to, to respond to Saddleback. And so that will happen 345. Guys, um, comments about the – again, we've been pretty clear in our writing, but just comments you guys want to make about uh, that moment in the discussion and in the annual meeting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, so I've got a, a, a ton of respect for Rick Warren and appreciation for him. My brother and his uh, wife went to Saddleback when, they, when my brother was stationed at Camp Pendleton uh, out there and they, they did a lot of great work out there. I mean, it's, it's an amazing work. God's done so many great things through his church, through his writing ministry. Uh, he's been nothing but encouraging when I've interacted with him. Um, but, uh, it just seems to me at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a pretty clear thing in the Baptist faith, the message. And the reason it's a pretty clear thing in the Baptist faith, the message, because it's a pretty clear thing in the Bible. And so, uh, you can't get, as we know, Southern Baptists agree on a lot of things, but to get Southern Baptists to agree on that for so long is no small thing. And um, so it's it's not uh, either you can appreciate the great things that have happened in and through his ministry um, and what he's done, well, and 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 then you vote to keep him in, or you're you're you can't stand any of that stuff, you don't respect any of that stuff, and and you're against him. It's like no, listen, hey, really thankful, but on this point, I think he's wrong. I think the Apostle Paul, um, he was familiar with the Great Commission whenever he wrote First uh, Timothy three. Um, and he's able to see how those things fit together. I think most Southern Baptists are able to see how most things fit together on that, uh, recognizing some nomenclature differences and and whatever. But on this issue, it's clearly not a nomenclature issue. It is a is a very intentional step in a direction. He's using some older egalitarian arguments that most egalitarians don't use. And um, he's a really great guy in, in a lot of ways. But I just think if we don't stand on this, um, and we aren't clear on this, it doesn't mean that we're gonna, people are going to start going after everybody after everything. But there is a concern that there are people that want to shrink the standard of our cooperation. But I think most Southern Baptists at this point understand, hey, come on. If, well, this is, uh, this, you're just not in, in close enough cooperation. You're no longer complementarianism. We don't think you're evil. Just think you're wrong. Yeah, I'll give a couple comments and then we'll we'll move to some of the other business. I plan to try to release something today in, in response. Just a couple things. One, the kind of like we, let's just be about mission. It just never works. Uh, one, it is not historically how how Baptists have viewed things. We have been clear to distinguish ourselves as far as doctrine. Uh, the word mission alone demands doctrine, so you can't just uh, say let's be about mission and just kind of move forward with that. We have to have agreed upon doctrine. You, you have to agree about even who we're trying to hold out in a uh, in in our mission. And so uh, that that kind of idea is, I just think, a little bit off base. Uh, I would also say it 
conventions or denominations by nature demand that we cooperate around second tier issues. Again, he he's sort of saying not every Baptist uh, needs to agree on every interpretation, and that's true. Uh, but that's not what a statement of faith is equal to. He also is arguing that this puts centralizing power in the executive committee's hand. That's not a helpful distinguish, uh, distinguishing mark because it's very clear this is going to be in the hand of the messengers. The churches are going to decide on this. This is not just solely going to be done by the executive committee. Uh, this does not violate, as he's saying, autonomy uh, because they are free to continue to to hire females and to call them pastor. And so that's not what a to- that's not what violating autonomy is. That's the definition of autonomy. But just because we believe in local church autonomy doesn't mean that we believe that every church needs to be in friendly cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention. In addition, I would just say he historically is the one breaking from where Baptists have been. It's been very clear from Second London to the New Hampshire Confession to the 1963 Baptist Faith and Message 2000, or 1963 Baptist Faith and Message, that we have held that the office of pastor is the same as the office of elder and overseer and is for men only. And so his break is the one that's a break from where we've both biblically and historically been. And so uh, I think we're in good, uh, both biblically and historically, we're in a good place to stand very firm. Funny that he's using the word SBC stand. I think we're in a very good place to stand where we've both been biblically and historically uh, and to not basically give in to something that he just started believing about three years ago. And so uh, I think we uphold that. And I'm, my my guess is that's going to be a fairly significant and clear vote. And what I think is important about that, going back to the Mike Law Amendment, is that is going to be a clear precedent to say, if you go the direction of Saddleback, you will be disfellowshipped from friendly cooperation in the SBC. It'll be a clear statement on our complementarianism, which we think is good and right and necessary. Uh, and so just a couple of thoughts there. Any, Josh, Ronnie, anything you guys want to add? No, I would just say this whole thing just continues to confirm that uh, the overwhelming truth that the SBC is strongly complementarian, that I just don't, and I've read reports of liberal drift and all these things. I just don't think we're there. I think we're strongly conservative, strongly complementarian. And what we're seeing are some outliers, Um, you know, in a, in a convention of 47,000 churches, according to the, uh, to the executive committee, 50,000 plus congregations and churches, you know, you're going to have some outliers. And uh, when you have these kind of votes where overwhelmingly um, people like Saddleback or Fern Creek are voted out, it just gives us greater confidence that our system's working. Hmm. Again, Saddleback and Fern Creek, I think, will be voted out. It proves that the just what Ronnie said, the BFNM 2000 is enough. It's 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 working and it's operating. I'm interested to see, uh, as, you, as you said, Nate, this is unprecedented. We haven't had this, so we're going to see what the EC does, who speaks on their behalf. We're going to see how it's handled. I mean, Rick Warren has said publicly that he tried to publish stuff through the SBC executive committee website. He's tried to get stuff in the Daily Bulletin. He's done. I mean, so it's it's kind of an interesting deal, and this is what I mean. I think Bart will lead us well through this. Yeah. But it's just kind of an interesting deal of how – this is going to play out in the meeting at the time. So be exciting Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. yeah, we'll hit just a couple more things really, really quickly uh, and, and then and kind of be sign off uh, on this. But uh, and Josh, maybe I'll come to you uh, on the so the next thing in the kind of flow of things will be the report coming from the Sexual Abuse Task Force. Um, give us an update on kind of what's going on there in one sense. We're not necessarily going to vote on anything, though I, I anticipate because they have delayed kind of category four of the credibly accused, 
Uh, I have a, you know, they're going to probably make a motion for us to extend them another year, but give any updates there uh, as far as what's going to be brought to the floor and any debate or business that could happen with the sexual abuse task force. Yeah, I think you're right. It is just information only uh, uh, as far as that goes. Now, if they do want to do want to extend it another year, um, then that that may come up. Uh, they are not bringing forth any anything for category four, which is a reminder that's the credibly accused issue, um, which, by the way, just just to to remember, that was voted on by the messengers last year. The definition was voted on by the messengers last year. So even our even our uh, the the task force has been trying to to best way lead us forward as a Southern Baptist Convention with that understanding and do what the messengers asked them to do. I'm biased on this a little bit. Marshall Blaylock has been leading us. He's a dear friend and a great brother. And I know how much he's labored over this. And I think I think their task force has done a fantastic job of demonstrating what it means to be in cooperation together for something. I mean, they they presented Guidepost as the only one that could possibly do everything that's been asked by the messengers to do in February to the credentials committee. Um, and, and then they heard from numerous pastors that that was not acceptable. We can't do this. We can't have it. And so they went back to the drawing board and they found another way not to use guidepost. And now, obviously, we still have guidepost with the hotline. There's some issues there. But in everything else, they're not using guidepost to do it. They listened to the people. They found the best way forward for Southern Baptists and where we're at. So, I, man, I I tell you, you talk about a task I would not have wanted to do is is that one. But I feel like they are bringing something for us that's the the best way for us to deal rightly, which all of us want to do with sexual abuse. How do we properly handle these things and do it in a way that doesn't doesn't affect or offend our polity or the autonomy of the local church and equip our churches to handle it in, in the most most proper way? That's what they're going to bring forward. Again, I would I would really recommend everybody to go. They have a website with every detail of what they have been doing, what their updates are, videos of all those things. I mean, they have done a great job of informing. I'm just not, I'm not really sure how many people have gone to that website and really listened to what they have put forward, but they've only listened to sound bites on social media or other things to get their ideas. So I would encourage all of you to go to that website. Everything is there. Is that yeah, the um, sataskforce.net? Yes. Okay. And, and that's, that's something I was going to say, Josh, that I, and I just want to um, underline is over the course of the year in these conversations um, with people who have all kinds of different views on it and Southern Baptists have different views on this. There's some complexity uh, to this, especially category four, that uh, credibly accused category. Um, and, and I just, I found that more times than not that, the person hasn't actually read what they put out yes and so their views don't align with reality and i've learned a lot things that i thought and in personal conversation with with marshall uh when i interviewed him back a, a few months ago I, there i learned things in that interview that i thought oh <clears throat> that's it, it it's so it learning those things and setting the website that won't mean uh that we'll all agree but it will help us disagree better and make our conversations more meaningful. And I'd say the least we could do is to be familiar with some of those issues, especially in light of the way that this task force, which was which was put together because of the messengers, uh, not because this task force wanted to do a lot of volunteer work on the side. Mm. Um, 
And the way they've done it, I mean, just hearing stories of, of Marshall on his own dime, draw, driving across states to meet with pastors uh, who were disgruntled about something that they were doing because the messengers wanted them to do it. And um, that kind of sacrifice, that kind of effort, um, man, we, we couldn't have, uh, I think, a, um, a better leader on that team, a lot of great folks on that team. Um, and so I would just say to someone that's just started to pay attention, don't just go with, the, there's just some people that have heard the truth and they still say something that's not in line with it. Right. And um, and I don't understand it. I'm sure they have their reasons. I'm sure they're good folks, but I just, that's one of those big things that uh, I still kind of wrestle with. How, how do you continue to say that when you know that's the opposite or not acknowledge this part of it when you say those things? Um, again, I don't think we're all going to agree on this because there are issues at stake, ascending liability, concerns, you know, different things like that. But I do think it can help us disagree better. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, from there, that's, that's good stuff, guys. I don't have anything to add. From there, the only other thing that typically is controversial is the you know the resolutions. We won't even know what those are until Tuesday morning. There'll be three different times in the convention schedule for us to have conversation about that. Now, one of the things that will be a motion to be voted on that will be binding is that the resolutions committee in the future will have to give out the resolutions, I think, either 10 to four, or 14 days ahead of the convention so future podcasts like this will know what those resolutions are, be able to speak more clearly to them. But just be in the room, be aware. We'll, we'll know more about those Tuesday morning. Guys, before we sort of sign off, anything else you kind of want to say just about SBC in general, about the SBC annual meeting, uh, anything else before we sort of uh, end? Jed, I may I'll start with you and then we can go around. Yeah, I would just say um, God puts us in situations that reminds us we can't do what he calls us to do without his help. And the way we show that we're in touch with that reality is by being a praying people. And so I think that we need to pray as we get to this. It's going to be fun. We need to plan and all that stuff, but it's very easy just to step into it and you're busy and things pick up. You get more text messages than usual. You get more, you're trying to whatever more than usual. And I would just say, just make sure that you're carving out time each day to pray for this, for God's will to be done, for wisdom, a spirit of unity, and and the things that God alone can do. We can't be the convention that he wants us to be without his help. So let's be a praying people. But I'd also say, you know, just be, as of course, prayed up, but be ready to be engaged in those things. Connect with friends, but you're going to get a bag of stuff. But just make sure you know the schedule. Make sure you know the resolutions. Pick those things out. Uh, keep everything if you want, but just make sure you understand that's, that we're gathering uh, to do these things and be prepared and, and, and in the room um, whenever these things are taking place. I, I feel like every year the SBC annual meeting is kind of like a pressure cooker. It builds up and it builds up the weeks before. You hear all the stuff coming, but at the meeting, it always seems to release the pressure a little bit and we always, you know, get back to, to what we need to get back to. So that's my prayer for the the convention is that we'll deal with the things we need to deal with so that we can continue, as I said, mm-hmm. from the beginning, that one sacred effort to get it done. And I I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm going to, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic guy in the first place, but I'm optimistic that that could, that'll work and that'll continue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. As, as we look toward next week, I'm always hopeful um, with where we're at. And what our future looks like. I'm not a doom and gloom guy. Excited about the future. I do think that we have to 
lead with integrity. Uh, I think we've got to raise our integrity in a, amongst our brothers in the convention. I think we got to build trust again. I think there's a lot of trust that's been lost. And uh, I think uh, we've got to model building trust. We've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. We've got to do our research before we respond. All those things really matter. And, uh, you know, Twitter works against all those things, it seems like, yeah. at times. Um, but, yeah, so overall, I would just uh, encourage everyone to be there next week, uh, to connect with us, hang out. I look forward to seeing so many of you and and uh, and just, pray, you know, being in prayer for all that the Lord is going to do. Just a couple comments and then we'll we'll sign off. I, you know, I'm, I am discouraged in the same way as I was last year. We actually put out a Twitter thread after the convention discouraged about the infighting. Um, I think one of the things that's clear is the vast majority of Southern Baptists are inerrantists, conservative theologically, clearly complementarian. Again, all the things we've discussed already. I just think, uh, again, the vast majority are not progressives, but also you kind of have this other side where it's like, if you don't agree with me on every little thing, then you're somehow a liberal or compromisers and so forth. And so I just say the vast majority are not liberals or progressives, and the vast majority are not kind of extreme fundies either. And so uh, there's a lot to be said there in the middle. I hope we'll just continue to be down the middle on those things uh, so that we can cooperate on the things that matter the most. And that's what excites me the most. Moeller, I got the chance to talk to Dr. Moeller a couple of nights ago, and he has basically two axioms when it comes to the Southern Baptist Convention. Number one, we eventually will get it right. It may not always be pretty how we get there. And I've found that to be the case, and I'm, I have great confidence that would be the other. His his second one, less optimistic, is that we can only handle one hard thing at a time. So we'll see if if that axiom plays itself out this year at the SBC. Uh, but but helpful things as we go into helpful thoughts as we go into the Southern Baptist Convention uh, and just make sure to be kind of checking out the the website, checking out Twitter. Uh, we'll try to keep everybody up to date. At this point, we're basically sold out for our panel. Um, and so I don't think there's very many tickets left, but we'll have a lot of these conversations with guys like Dr. Moeller, uh, my dad, Juan Sanchez, Jarrett Stevens um, and J.D. Greer. And so uh, we'll we'll plan to be a part of those conversations. Brothers, thanks so much for being uh, on the B21 podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, baptist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.